0: You're listening to the Washington Hospitality Industry Podcast, your primary source of information related to the hospitality industry in Washington State. Good morning and welcome. Today, we are talking with Tom O'Brien. He is a is the managing broker at Pacific Commercial Brokers. He's been there for 27 years. And he is also a member of our advisory network. Uh, as a member of the Washington Hospitality Association, you're entitled to a 30-minute consultation with any one of our members of the advisory network. If you would like to reach out to Tom O'Brien, reach out to your territory manager. Um, today, we are recording this, and it will be up on our website later on. So you can find it on our YouTube channel, and you can also find it wherever you get your podcasts. Um We will answer questions, and if you have a question for Tom, go ahead and type it into the Q&A at the bottom of your screen. And with that, I will hand it over to Tom, and he is joined by our Senior Director of Communications, Lex Nepomuceno. Good morning. Good
1: morning. Hi, I'm Tom O'Brien with Pacific Commercial Brokers. We're a commercial real estate brokerage as well as business brokerage. Uh, we've been practicing for 27 years and have facilitated hundreds of successful business transactions. Uh, today, I'm hopeful to share some insight on with you on the sales process, how to prepare uh, your business so that you can achieve the highest value for it. And when when it, you boil it down, the main thing is the financials, but there's some things that, uh, that we'll talk about before that. One is, uh, you know, I know you walk into your facility every day and you see it, but do you really see it? It's best to to uh make sure things are tidy. Um uh clean, well organized, and well maintained reflects positively on your business as well as its image. So uh clean and organize your 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 facility. Uh make sure the windows are clean, it's got good curb appeal, the landscaping's done, the signage works um the dry storage is organized the equipment is all working if it's not working fix it replace it or get rid of it um just what when you when people walk in it's good to make a first impression you only get one chance to do that so that's a simple thing that you can do it's common sense and just sometimes you don't you don't see it the other thing is that uh it's good to have cohesive and professional branding uh, High-quality logos, websites, um, marketing materials, and and strong online presence. Um, uh, people are definitely buyers are definitely going to be going to online and stalking you and checking out what what your customers and other people are are saying about you. So it, it's good to keep up on that and and keep the content relevant and updated as, as much as possible. Um, but what it really boils down to is these buyers are going to come in, and uh, they're going to be asking for sensitive information, uh, and you want to you want to not share it with people who have no capacity to buy it. So um, I always recommend that you have prospective purchasers sign a non-disclosure agreement or some type of confidentiality agreement. And then just uh, interview them. You know, what is your experience? Have you owned a restaurant in the past or a business in the past? Um, have you worked in it? Where do you live? Do you own a home? Just kind of try and find out how they intend to finance it. Um, there are there are financing conduits that we can t- talk about. But if most most buyers are going to be honest and sincere with, sincere with you, but there are some that uh, can pull wool over your eyes. Um, so it's just good before you share all that sensitive information, uh, to, to kind of know who you're, who you're dealing with. Um, I guess that the, like I said, the main thing is the financials and some of the, the, the pitfalls I see with, with businesses, financials is that they combine their, uh, personal life with their business life. So, uh, their home utility bill is paid through the business and it's uh, reflected under utilities uh, expense item. You know, y- you want to try and separate that because every dollar that we can get to the bottom line is going to equate to roughly two and a half dollars in the sale price. So the the more you can separate your life, your personal life from your business, you're going to be able to maximize the value. It's all right to run a car payment through the business because we can add that back. We'll recast the numbers and and add those things or discretionary expenses. You can run your cell phone, but don't be buying your your household groceries or your utilities or other personal items in your business. It'll it'll benefit you in the in the long run. Um, with with the business, uh, what what I would like to do is share uh kind of how we look at creating value so I'm going to share screen here here's a mock tax return I did so essentially we've got million one in sales cogs or or three twenty so that we got seven eighty in in uh in gross profit and when you see if if, if we, we look at sellers discretionary earnings so if, if you're taking eighty thousand dollars out through a through a payroll or a paycheck and you're not uh working a shift in the in the business you're more general manager uh doing administrative tasks i'm going to add i'm going to add that back to the bottom line uh If if you're grinding 60 hours a week and working shifts, I can't add all that back, but I can add some of it back to what it would cost to replace you. Other typical add backs are uh, interest expense, depreciation expense. If you're paying health insurance for your family and and some of your employees, we can add back some of that. Then of course, we have the profit. And then if you look at nine, this is this represents a a corporation, an S-corp. So they're they're similar. If you're a, a partnership, LLC, or if you're a if you're a sole proprietor, it'll be on your, on Schedule C. But similar similar layout. Uh, uh, when it comes to the other deductions, line 19, those usually show up in another in another supplement to your tax return. You can add back amortization. Again, this this particular person was was charging their car through there. You Can add back your meals. I mean, you could. There's, you're gonna go out and eat, so that that's a legitimate. You can use it as research and development, and and then travel. So what we do is we take the, those highlighted items and we recast your numbers. So we come in and we here with ABC Inc. We have sales, cost of sales, all these numbers match all the way to the bottom line, and then we make adjustments. So in this particular case, the owner may have worked there 20 hours a week, so we allocated thirty thousand dollars to replace a salary. Uh, interest depreciation, or, or just standard addbacks. Even the banks will add those back too. The banks will add back all of these actually. And then uh, employee benefits here. I just added back 10000 to cover the owner and his family's cost of the health insurance because a new owner is not going to incur the cost to insure you once the business is sold. Um, we got amortization. We added back the truck, meals, and travel. So we have total adjustments of 112000 And we just got the seller's discretionary earnings up to 130. So the operating income was only 18 but by the time we recast these numbers really the seller's discretionary earnings or the benefit is 130,000. That's that's how anyone will look at this the banks and it shows what a what a buyer's going to get for paying you for the money that that uh, that that you put in. I hope that makes
2: sense to everybody. Um, Tom, Tom, Yeah, Tom. how far back can you go? Because obviously some of the businesses that you're dealing with, the, uh, they're family businesses and they've gone back 10, 20 years or so forth and they've been doing it this way for a long time. Do you have to redo all of their financials going all the way back to the business's inception or is there a five-year period? Uh, because again, a lot of the business owners will, will have their car payments covered, as you mentioned through this, and other expenses, cell phones, internet. Um, uh, but to get that ideal number that you just described there, how far back do you have to work with them to reconstitute those numbers to make it sellable?
1: Yeah, most people most people want to go want to see three years of tax returns and then a year to date. So, depending on what where that the year falls, if it's March, then three years' tax returns. If we're looking at September, October, November, they'll want to see three year tax return and a year to date. I mean, the other things that you can add back are if you replace the compressor on your walk-in cooler and you expense it, it's a one-time expense. It's non-reoccurring. So, I would add back things like that. So, if you can keep receipts and things like it like that that show that you just made that 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 investment into your facility, it it just helps them understand that 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 money is there that they can use to put in their pocket or service debt or that that that's part of the part of the income that they'll receive
2: now you mentioned tax returns for previous years a lot of times businesses as you know want to uh, minimize their tax liability. And so they put a lot of expenses in there. Uh, is part of the process when you give them the tax return, or when they submit the tax returns to the potential seller, and then you do the last year financials, if there's a big delta between those numbers, uh, do you also have to do the kind of the the real number um, uh, numbers for the previous years that the tax return showed, you know, profits of nothing or very little uh, because they wanted to, uh, add a lot of the expenses there so that our tax liability is minimized? Yeah. I mean, the, 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 this,
1: that's common. People want to show as little as possible, but with the recast, you're able to, if you can justify, like with receipts that the that the compressor was replaced, you can justify those and add those back to the bottom line that, that the car pay, car payments are no problem. If, if they're there, cell phones are no problem. The health insurance, it's things that get commingled like utilities and if you're taking food home or we had one client that, you know, was fond of wine. So she was drinking, you know, roughly $18,000 of wine a year, really good wine, but you know, it's hard to, it's hard to show that. Uh, and if you can't prove it, buyers are going to have a hard time paying for it. You know, I often see uh, buyers saying, well, if someone can do this and someone can do that to make the business better and 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 i call that blue sky and most buyers are not going to give you a, a a large amount pay for a lar- large amount of blue sky if if it's that easy to do go ahead execute it make the money and then i'll pay you for it they don't want to pay pay for uh, your idea they want to see they want to see what they're getting
2: so when push comes to, when push comes to shove the, num- the the most previous years numbers that you're going to be working with them on that's the most important
1: yeah, I mean the the last two or three years, you know, recently we've we've dealt with COVID, and, and we look at twenty twenty as an anomaly year. So, recently we asked for four years because we wanted to see how nineteen performed. Twenty was COVID; it was an anomaly. What we wanted to see is things starts ba- bouncing back in twenty one, and then see twenty two at or exceeding uh, nineteen numbers. That's that that looks really well, works really well too. You know some of the some of the pitfalls that you you, you may run into are when it comes to uh, selling your business as your landlord. So um, it's always I think a best to have some lease term or at least options on your lease. Um, if you don't have any lease term, uh, no one's going to pay for it. But it's going to take them at least three years to get their money back, and then they need some time to make make profit after that. Um, for their investment so if if you, you you're right you a lot of people say my lease ends in a year i want to be out when my lease is done they don't have any options hope that your landlord's going to be a cooperative and, and give someone a new lease and when that usually happens they want to start raising rent and then uh when the rent goes up then it pulls out of the cash flow and it reduces the value of the business uh some landlords are great to work with Others can be tough. And uh, we recently worked on a deal where the landlord said, well, the seller's getting 400,000. What am I getting? And we ended up having to give him $40,000 to get him to assign the lease and give us some term. So um, there's good, bad, and, um, and evil, in my opinion, when it comes to landlords, you just gotta, it's best to have some term or at least some options. And then, uh, most landlords are going to want to keep the, the, the seller on the lease. Uh, and I, I kind of see it from their perspective. Say you've been there for 15 years and you've paid rent on time, been a good steward of the property, and now you want to sell your business and this new, new guy's coming in and the landlord no, knows nothing about him. So it's a little bit of fear of unknown. Um, and so to hedge the, the landlord or entice him to do it, oftentimes they'll ask the the uh the seller to stay on the lease. Uh we'll try and mitigate that by giving a continuing guarantee, meaning that if the 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 buyer or the 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 signee defaults will we'll offer a six-month guarantee no matter when he defaults or limit it to a year or two, which we say after that point they've demonstrated that they're good. Good tenants, good paying tenants, and good stewards of the property. But um, you know, since COVID, that landlords have gotten uh, a little more worried about who, who who's coming into their space uh, after they've had someone there for for a period of time paying rent. Um, the other thing that that is is uh, sometimes tough is financing. Um, you know the, the the smaller price businesses there's people walking around with $100,000 but when we get up into the the bigger tickets most people seek SBA financing SBA is still still funding these deals but the interest rate is is prime rate plus 2 to 2 and 3 quarters. so we're pushing 10 11% and um what that does is when the, the debt service is so high it, it puts pressure on pricing Um, so, um, if, if you have someone with cash that's ready to step in, you may be open to discounting a little bit to uh, entice that person to take it because it makes it easy. Um, I guess we could talk about the, the valuation. So that seller's discretionary number that we talked about, um, This number right here, which is 130, that gets plugged in. Most most buyers are looking to buy at a multiple of sellers' discretionary earnings. And that number can range from 2.25 to three times for multiple uh location or uh, multiple unit opportunities. There it, it could go as high as three and a half times uh cash flow. Um and there's other factors that play into it, like your location. If you have an ex- extraordinarily good lease, things like that can can play with it a little. But a good rule of thumb is 2.25 to 2.75 times the seller's discretionary earnings, as as far as creating a creating value.
2: So, Tom, if somebody, if if the business owner of this property, uh, based on this discretionary earnings, they would expect to. Um, uh, get between three and four hundred thousand dollars basically for this type of business
1: yes I think that's a that's very accurate yeah
2: so if uh, businesses that are on uh the call right now that wanted to evaluate their valuation uh their valuation and what they could potentially get uh they would run a similar type of exercise and uh work with you or uh to clean it up to the point where uh the, the personal stuff is uh, offloaded and, 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 and then financials are all cleaned up and then they get an actual picture and say, okay, your, your discretionary earnings are actually 200,000 or 70,000. And then that's where they determine the, the value of what they can actually reasonably expect in the sale of, the, of their, of their asset. Yeah, that's correct. That's correct. And, and if, if you are commingling
1: or, you know, I don't see it as much anymore because, uh, credit cards and debit cards are used so often, but, you know, 15 years ago you know maybe 70% of sales were done with with credit and debit cards and cash was more prevalent you know you would see you know two for the till one for my pocket stuff going on all the time you just don't see that as much anymore so the numbers are pretty accurate um accurate now just because the the credit card companies and and uh, every, everyone's using using a card to to pay for their pay for their meals so it's it's gotten gotten easier but if if you have if you do have our commingling to to, benef, to to benefit your your tax situation my suggestion would be to take a year to 18 months and just start slowly separating those apart so that you can uh you can start showing the business in in its true light and that's how you're going to get the most money so it could be you know depending on on your your timing um it's it's best to uh make sure your books are separated and if they're not take a little time a year or two to to separate those so your numbers are accurate and the other thing is like businesses on alki i always think it's best to start marketing a business on alki beach probably in february because uh by the time people start you get the marketing going and get it get get everything ramped up when the when the prospective buyers go down to, to, to visit the, the location and be a customer they'll see the activity and Alki is just not as busy in the winter as it is the summer they go down there in the summer they're going to be you know they're like oh my gosh there's tons of people down here it looks it shows much better. We
0: have a question from the audience. If you've just got through a significant remodel and nearly all equipment is new, how do you factor that into the value knowing you won't be replacing big ticket items in the near future?
1: We could probably add back some repairs and maintenance costs. Um, Unfortunately, you know, restaurant equipment, you buy it new and uh, it's, you know, a year later it's worth 25 cents on the dollar. Um, but we could probably make a small adjustment because your repairs and maintenance costs are going to be significantly less if everything's new.
2: Tom, how how do liabilities play along with this? So often um, businesses have uh, equipment uh, leases and other liabilities that they have, uh, is this valuation above and beyond um, that? So it's expected if you sell for 400,000, 500,000, that uh, it's incumbent upon you as the seller to just take care of those liabilities so that the the new business owner doesn't absorb any of those liabilities?
1: Yeah. I mean, for the most part, yes. Any, any loans, things like that, that, that aren't assumable. However, if you have a contract with Comcast or, you have a, a, a lease agreement for your POS system or your dish machine or ice machine, those will typically transfer, but any you know, larger debt uh, will be, will need to be paid at closing. If you have an EIDL loan uh, that, that was a loan. And typically the SBA, not always, but a lot of times the SBA will file a lien. So when you, when you do sell, sell the business, we typically run through an escrow attorney and his job is to ensure that the buyer gets the assets delivered to them free and clear of liens and encumbrances. So they do UCC searches and a UCC search is essentially like a title search on real property, but it's a search on personal property. And so those get filed. The other thing is, is that in the state of Washington, if the seller didn't pay their, their taxes, the state can go after the buyer. So the, the escrow attorney, uh as you sign a, an authorization, he reaches out to all the taxing authorities (DOR, and I) and makes sure that the taxes are current. And if you are getting cash, they usually hold back ten percent of the funds at closing to give time for the seller to pay his final quarterly taxes and final excise taxes. And then, once those are are uh, confirmed paid, then the, the rest of the money will be released to to the uh to the seller great the uh the other thing that a owner can expect to do is is we typically offer a couple weeks of training included in the sale anything beyond that if they want more consulting or training uh we try and figure out some compensation package uh for a short period of time to to cover their time after the two-week training period
0: All right, we have another question. If you are debt free and willing the owner finance, how are some of the smart sellers structuring those deals since SBA rates are so high?
1: Good question. Uh, we are doing a lot of seller financing right now. We suggest a minimum of fifty percent down. Uh, you have to remember that there uh, there's really no collateral. Your collateral on these on these deals is a security agreement. Uh, which secures refrigeration uh, cooking lines and things like that so if if someone uh fails you either need to have the right to reenter the premises and fire a backup and get paid again and i've had this happen a few times not very often but uh it was a very troubling for a period of 90 days but the the three people that yeah. i remember it happening to said it ended up being the best thing that happened to him because they just turned the business back around and sold it again. Um, but if, if, you know, there's, there's really no collateral. So um, if you are carrying a note, what I always prefer to do is uh, incorporate, it's called a cross default clause, meaning that if the tenant or the buyer defaults on the lease, he also defaults on your note. And if he defaults on the note, he also defaults on the lease. That way, you can go back in there and, and recapture uh, your equipment and fire it back up and get it going. Because if he doesn't pay the rent, um, you have nothing, right? There's there's just nothing there. So we we try and uh, utilize a, a, a cross default clause so that uh, and make sure you have the right to reenter in, in the event of a default by a buyer. It doesn't happen often. You'll usually see the writing on the wall where the payments start coming in slow. Um, and most people that get in that position, they just put it back up for sale and sell it and try and recoup what they can. Uh, the, you as the seller carrying the note, um, that particular note will have a due on sale clause. So if they go to sell those assets or sell the business, you're going to be the first one to get paid.
0: Does that change if you're also the landlord and just selling your business that operates within the four walls?
1: So I just want to understand it is if, if you're the operator of the business and you own the real estate, is that? Yes. Yeah. So in that case, what, what what I always suggest is that the landlord secure the lease, not only with a, with a lease deposit, but also uh, secure the lease with uh, a fixture filing and security agreement on the FF&E. So if they do default, they can't take that equipment
2: with them. Uh, uh, Tommy probably deal with a lot of buyers who have had businesses for dozens of years, and it's uh, it's a it's their baby that they've grew from the beginning, and so you have these brands that have been around for. 10, 20, even longer. And then when they eventually decide to sell, uh, there's probably some sentimentality there, mostly related to the brand itself, the name of the company, the logos they've created, the recipes that they have. How much of a premium can a seller expect that adds to the eventual valuation? Because so far we've gone over the hard numbers financials. So that based on that, um, the, the tax return that you went over or the, the financials that you went over, uh, that it doesn't matter if you're you've been a business for five years or fifty years. Uh, is there some equity that the owners can expect or that they could add on to, uh, because this is a thirty-year company, and, and and is there value to that uh, reasonably that, that sellers can
1: expect? Yeah, I don't I don't think people pay much of a premium for it. I mean, it's really about the dollars and cents. Um, it's. It, I think it's a good thing if someone's there for 30 years and they have good long tenured employees and the customers know those people. And it just it just helps solidify the value that you're asking for it and why your sales are where they're at Um, and and the profitability is where it's at. But I, I don't see people paying a lot for 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 the IP and stuff like that.
0: Well, all right. Do you have any more questions for Tom, Lex?
2: Well, I guess one of the things, if, 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 a, if a business was interested in buying or selling, what are, the, what are the, the top three things? I guess let's start with selling. What are the top three things they need to do to prepare? Obviously, you said get, the, get your brand ready, your financials ready, uh, anything else before they approach yeah. uh, a broker or uh, a business partner.
1: Yeah I see one other thing that's important besides the financials and getting the facility ready is <clears throat> I don't want to say underplay but don't make the business about the seller you know people don't want to buy a business when you know everyone knows the seller and he's the owner and they go there to see him they if you can remove yourself from your operation it always looks best they don't you know, they 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 don't want to come in and say God, how am I going to replace this guy everyone knows him you know what I mean they did, they just don't want to do that so the, the more that you can talk about what a good team you have and, and, and that you aren't as integral into, into the operation uh, as you may be, or you just want to kind of remove yourself so that you're not the business. You, you don't want to be the business. You want the business to be its own thing and you just happen to own it. Um, that's one thing that I would say is, is don't talk about how you did this and and I did this and, and you won't even talk about my employees handle all of this and they take care of it. So um, people it's difficult to replace a human being that is a major part of the business and if you do have like uh, a key employee sometimes uh, a buyer will say i want to be able to keep that guy so i'm gonna need to sign a contract with them for at least a year uh, to get the deal done if it's, someone's been there for a long time and is really the the key to the to making it run
0: One more question from the audience: If you're selling the business and own the real estate, what is an attractive lease term for potential buyers?
1: Well, I always like to see uh, occupancy cost, essentially rent and and the com, com, CAM or, or triple net under eight percent. But you know, every uh, every market's a little different, so we'd have to go in and kind of uh, do a, a, a quick survey to see. What the market rent is in your area, and then i we could talk to you intelligently about it, but it's it's different depending on the neighborhood the location if you're in Tacoma or Seattle, or you're in a lifestyle center or it just it just really depends but ideally uh the businesses that I see performing really well, their occupancy costs are around eight eight percent definitely under ten percent okay. of sales.
0: Thank you so much, Tom, Um, to everybody in the audience. Again, Tom is a member of our advisory network. If you would like a 30-minute consultation with him, please reach out to your territory manager. And thank you, Tom. And thank you, Lex, for joining us today and asking some good, insightful questions. Appreciate it. And have everybody, this recording will be up on our website later on today. And thank you all for attending.
1: Bye-bye.
0: Thanks for listening to the Washington Hospitality Industry Podcast. Make sure to visit our website, wahospitality.org, where you can learn more about the restaurant and lodging industries and the Washington Hospitality Association. Be sure to subscribe to the show in iTunes, Google, Spotify, or iHeartRadio so you'll never miss a show. While you're at it, if you found value in this show, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes. Thank you so much for that effort. Until next time.